This is KCBX Central Coast Public Radio. It's time for Issues and Ideas, a show that features a wide variety of local voices sharing their thoughts and perspectives. On today's show, the Playing With Food team visited a small one-woman operation to explore Peruvian ingredients and flavors. So we're going to put it in the plate and we add the cilantro at the end to give that extra touch of fragrance. Also, you'll get some holiday gift tips for your pets. A lot of the enrichment toys, so anything that's got some kind of a puzzle to it or a difficult way for them to get the reward. These stories and more coming up on Issues and Ideas. Good afternoon. It's Monday, December 18th, 2023. I'm Carol Tangeman. Let's start with a look at a local author's new book, Pearls, Parenting Practices. Hello, I'm Brian Reynolds for KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. Today, we are joined by Lisa Guy, local uh, mother and author, uh, with a brand new book called Pearls, Parenting Practices, relayed through stories, illustrations, affirmations, poems, and quotes, and illustrated by Cameron Shields. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you, Brian. As you write in your book, and as uh, we all know, there is a plethora, a plenitude of books and theories on child rearing. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you uh, became uh, ready and um, compelled to write this book. First of all, I'm very grateful to be here. I moved to the Central Coast 27 years ago. My husband and our four girls really didn't know much what I was doing as a parent and um, had never held a baby when we had our first. And I thought, wow, they're sending me home from the hospital with the baby. I don't know what to do. I had done some reading beforehand, what to expect when you're expecting, but not much because I'd been working 12-hour days um, up until that point. So I bumbled through and really had a fantastic time. Had a great husband who was kind of bumbling through with me. But really what I was very happy to be able to do was volunteer in the classrooms for years. So for about 27 years, I was working with students and getting to know students and families and seeing what worked and what didn't. And just so, out, out of curiosity, what uh, levels of, of grade levels? Uh, I followed, school, followed our kids. And so really, I, I at one point, Bellevue, Santa Fe Charter School, was a, it was the first year it was a charter school that I became involved in. I feel like I grew up at Bellevue, um, was really, really shy, got involved in the fundraising aspect of things. We didn't have full funding. And I organized these auctions and had to get up there in front of all these people and talk and raise lots of money. We raised $80,000 uh, my last auction there. So it was... Yeah, it was a growth experience for for me. Given the tons of material out there, what was your particular goal? Uh, What were you trying to fix or make more clear or more complete? And that is a very good question. Um, So I followed the kids, and I started out with the little grades, and then I ended up being very involved in the junior high and high school here in Slow. And our son, as a ninth grader, who had had a very happy childhood, was suddenly very disturbed. And he continued to come home and say to me, I don't understand what's going on. And this was right around the time that marijuana was legalized and all of his friends had started vaping and they were doing it in class. You know, the little, you can do it, it's odorless. How old old um, was he? He was 14 at that point. Um, And he kept saying, why is no one doing anything? Why don't my friends know this isn't a good thing to be doing right now for their brains? And, you know, they were checking out of school and not wanting to play sports. And so when your child comes to you and says, why is no one doing anything? It really mobilized me. And I tried to do something. And then I realized this is not the way to do it, because by the time they're in high school, junior high, high school, naturally they've they've left their home emotionally mentally they want to listen to their friends they want to be part of a group you gotta talk to them when they're little and um and so that was that was really the motivation for this book for me 
you know, looking back on, on my own childhood, I don't know, it probably wasn't normal, I hope not for most kids, but uh, probably those early days, weeks, months are at the top of the list in terms of being pivotal. But then we all went through middle school where um, we're starting to become more adults, our hormones are going crazy. Sure. Yes. Probably that's the other window or the other uh, crucible we become are, are kind of forged in that in those years. It's so true. And I, I saw that there are certain pivotal points in time. Um, kindergarten is, is a big one where you're forming your group of, of parents and your friends. The kids are forming their friends. And then again, junior high, kids are coming from different schools. Um, you got to be careful about who you end up with because naturally we do the things that our friends are doing. And we become, you know, you really have to be careful about what is it you want and then who do you want to be doing it with. So you're, you're so right. And there, I just started to see different patterns and things that I wish I'd known. I had a talk about a difficult childhood. Wow. I mean, I was, I feel like I was raised by wolves and I, I did made a lot of mistakes, but I figured them out. And it was because of this strong foundation, I believe that my parents had, even though they were, they were very young when they had me. Um, Mom wasn't even really interested in having a, a child. Surprised here I was. But I learned a lot from my parents, and I just wanted to help other parents, basically thinking I'd like to create a book that I could have used when I was starting out. I wish I'd thought about these things when my kids were little. And I'm interested in what's called uh, cognitive psychology. One of the givens of modern life, uh, and it's it's not a good thing, is too much information with a capital T, yes. uh, way too much to absorb, hard to determine uh, fact from fiction, what's pertinent, what's up to date, and so forth. And especially because so much of it comes to us via the internet, via our computers, and is basically uncorroborated. And I read once that uh, young parents are uh, overwhelmed yes. by so much information. And I'm guessing it makes it uh, much of it you know, inappropriate for them, let's say, but uh, the challenges they must face. So I certainly can see something like this, uh, sort of a broad-based book, but also synthesis of ideas uh, which is very impressive. It is. And and I am just such a collaborator. I learned at Bellevue, we put on these huge events and I believe everyone has a purpose. Everyone has something that they can contribute. And the, the gift uh, that we can give our kids is to help them figure out what that might be. And you don't always know what it is. And sometimes it's doing a number of different things, but it's doing something. It's feeling valuable. It's feeling part connected, part of something. And I think we've lost that. And you, you've hit the nail on the head technology, social media, um, this isolation, COVID made things even worse. And it was during COVID that I started working on this book. And I started my girls, four of my girls, all child rearing age, many of their friends having babies, and then our neighbors. And, and I feel like they were some of my girls who grew up with my girls having babies. I started talking to them what are your biggest problems? What would you like? What kind of a book would be helpful? And there are so many books. Who has time to sit down and read a 300-page book on parenting? And there are so many different ideas about parenting. So I read 40 books myself. I had time to do it. I pulled out the pearls. What is the most, what is the point this person is making? But there is no one way to parent. I truly believe there's no one way to do it. But there are certain principles that you can follow that help. And there are many new parents today are really afraid. The statistics are, you know, 20 20 percent higher suicide rates for I think it's ages eight, uh, eight to 18 it's kids are depressed and and this is what my son was saying mom all my friends are stressed anxious or depressed and they think the solution to it is to get high not <sighs> my son is a uh, therapist with the county and his favorite uh, demographic to work with is kids and I, I say to him you're <laughs> never going to be lacking customers 
<laughs> that is very true. Let's talk about your book. Uh, how, okay. how was it put together? Uh, what makes it unique? So I wanted something beautiful. I just I just knew that I wanted something really um, relaxing and beautiful. And I have a friend, Cameron Shields, who has had, she's been a doctor, she's been a teacher at Cal Poly, teacher of the year, very talented woman, retired. Her father was a painter. She started taking painting classes. And I just think she's so talented. And I asked, said, Cammy, would you be willing? I want to write this book. Would you be willing to do the illustrations? And we were both, and we used to take walks and we would look at, um, we loved walking at the beach. And I thought, wow, we live in this gorgeous area. Let's have some beautiful watercolor illustrations from our area. So parents are, are opening up the book and they can just kind of cuddle with their child, breathe a sigh of relief, see something beautiful and, and, and enjoy the experience. I, I really think it's a very, very pretty book. We can't show uh, the audience the book uh, today, and I hope that uh, many people listening will uh, get a copy of the book uh, and go through it because I found it charming. Um, the uh, organization was rational and intriguing. The uh, artwork was just stunning to me. Not only was it local scenes, but I appreciate watercolors more than maybe other mediums. I don't know why. It's a subtle, more of a pastel thing, but they say it's among the most difficult uh, mm -hmm. to do well is uh, mm -hmm. a good watercolor and also I was impressed with um, quotes many quotes in the book from people that I have known or acquainted yes. with uh, Wendy Schneider, Dr. Tadone oh. I was only lucky to meet him once or twice amazing uh, man. but I think it makes it even more relevant for uh, who we are here on the Central Coast thank you yeah I, I just started thinking it was a kind of a beautiful evolution my dad had written many books. He came out with, with note cards, and he would organize it in that way. So I wrote down everything I thought was important. And then I started asking anyone who would listen. I'm sure all my friends are tired of hearing me talk about this. What do you think is most important? And then organized it into the six chapters and then started thinking about the people I knew who could speak to these different things. And like Wendy Furchneider, I was at a, at a party, and I didn't know what she did. And we started talking, and then she says, this is what she does. And, oh, my gosh, would you be willing to write something? We worked months on that section on feeding baby because I didn't want parents to think you have to breastfeed or you have to do this or you have to do that. There are suggestions and ideas and information, but it's not, the book is a guide and it's not something that's telling you you have to do anything. Wouldn't be necessarily uh, required to go from page one to the end. Not at all. And many people are just have it by their rocking chair, giving it to new parents and saying, read to your baby, just pick a page. You can pick it randomly. A friend of mine with an 18-year-old granddaughter said, I'm getting this for my granddaughter. She's having some problems. We're going to just randomly pick a page every day and, and read together. I'd like to remind everyone that I am Brian Reynolds for KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. Today we are joined by author and mother Lisa Guy, who has a new book out called Pearl's Parenting Practices Relayed Through Stories, Illustrations, Affirmations, Poems, and Quotes, and with lovely illustrations by Cameron Shields. Some of the things that uh, stood out for me going through the book was the rhythms of a child and adjusting a, a newborn, yeah. an infant. Um, they have the rhythms of eating, sleeping, stimulation, different things. And it seems like in a society that is so uh, consumer-oriented and everyone is working so hard just to keep up, that uh, the parental rhythms would very often dominate over the child's. How do, how do you cope with that? It's really hard. And I can speak to that as having been a full-time parent um, up until our third daughter was born. And it was very stressful because getting through every day was as an ordeal. You got to get up. You got to get the kids ready. They got to get fed. You have to get them to the sitter or have someone come to you. And you're working. And and I felt guilty at work. And I felt guilty at home. And it was it's just hard. So if you can try, and I have um, I have a mom in there who's just an amazing woman. She she talked about being present when she's with her daughter 
daughter. She's a full-time teacher teaching the hearing impaired. When she's home with her daughter, when she makes carves out time to be with her, she's really with her. So you can't always do what you want to do, but you can intentionally. And, and if you start and end every day, right, I've got a section in there about that, then naturally you your rhythm is established. And reading at night is a beautiful way to end your day. And I did that, gosh, with my kids until they were my daughter. We were in a book club. She was in junior high. Um, just crawl into bed and read to them. And, and then when the girls were too old to have me read to them, they played basketball and I gave them foot massages. But at nighttime was the time when they would talk to me. The lights were out. They would tell me what was going on. I left the dishes sometimes till the next morning, just made sure that we had that little bit of time. There's a phenomenon in librarianship that is well known, especially to uh, children's librarians. If you want to see how popular a book is, go find it on the shelf and see if it's worn out or has it even mm. been cracked or opened. Mm -hmm. And uh, the truth of children's literature, especially the classic stuff, the great stories, is that children uh, read them until they literally fall apart at the yes, binding, yes. that they like to hear those same stories. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and call it truths that are comforting, that are um, supportive. Uh, the, the same stories work uh, probably uh, at many different ages in a, a person's development. Absolutely. Can I just interject really quickly about stories and reading, if you get in the habit of doing that, and then you can tell your children's stories. And my son, when he would be anxious about some new thing coming up, would want, actually, I would sing it. I like to sing. Singing is a wonderful thing. And you can sing stories, too. Um, so we would make up what was going to happen next. And then I have a friend who um, has three grandchildren. He, he makes up stories about his grandchildren for Christmas. He wrote their stories down and gave them a book. They were the heroes. The world is your oyster. You can make up anything you want when you're telling a story. Music and song uh, are clearly uh, a big, big part of what you're doing with your child. Tell me about the five S's. So a, a young child. Yeah. So you want to, um, and this was from a sleep specialist, and um, there are ways of calming your child, and shushing is one of them, singing. Side-lying. Side-lying. And so that's being next to them and feeling them close to you. And right. sometimes um, they need that. So I've been studying emotions a lot and thinking about how that affects children and growing up tantrums. You know, you've got the terrible twos and this, these kids have tantrums. Yeah, it's a natural thing. It used to mortify me. And I remember being in the line at the grocery store with my six-month-old, perfect little baby, so sweet, two-year-old having a tantrum in front. And I thought, my child will never do that. Oh, boy, the first time she did. But if you give them tools, first of all, if you as a parent understand it's normal, it's developmental, they can't speak. They have something they want to say and they can't communicate it to you and they're frustrated. I want it now and why don't I get it? But so understanding um, the rhythms and patterns of, of child development is really helpful. I might have mentioned earlier I was a psych major at Berkeley and oh. still very interested in, in those issues, especially the cognitive side. But I never heard the term emotional intelligence until I was well into adulthood. I felt like I'd been ripped off. Me too. Because wait a second, <laughs> this is way more important than IQ. Yes. You know, the, yes. the intellectual uh, side of it on so many levels. And yet here's a term which explains it, not only explains it clearly, but how important it is. You're, you're talking in your book about uh, 
trying to nurture and build your child's, your young child's emotional intelligence. Yes. Tell us about that. Oh, you could do it. And and I saw a beautiful example of this at C.L. Smith. C.L. Smith is an elementary school in Slow. Aaron Black is the principal. They have 13 different languages spoken, very diverse school. Um, he's doing all these incredible things. And they have a room now that is to help children develop their emotional intelligence. And when the kids are acting out in class, they're upset, they're making a fuss, they go to this room. And there are, I think, four different people that are trained to use it. They indicate how they're feeling. There are different faces that they make a check mark. This is how I feel. I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm whatever I am. And they have three choices. They have three five-minute choices. They can do something physical. They can roll around on a yoga ball. They can go into a little teepee with a, a book light and read. They can listen to headphones. There are things that they can do to help calm themselves down. So they do those three sets of things, and then they look at that list again. How are they feeling? And then they go back to class. So um, they're also giving words. Brene Brown is an amazing woman, and she talks about the need to give words to emotions, and that really helps children if they know what it is they're feeling. And also to understand that emotions come and go. Pema Kodron, she talks about how anger is only 90 seconds. If you don't tie it to a story. And I've got disentangling from a negative storyline in there as one of my, because I just think that is so important. It's a section. If we as parents do it, our kids are going to learn to do it too. So you need to understand, we have no idea what another person's thinking. Their facial expressions, their body language, whatever they're telling us, we don't know. We, we interpret it and think, oh, that person doesn't like us or, oh, you know, but you have to just push past that and realize you don't know. We're also quick to judge on insufficient evidence and, in many cases, wrong. Right. Um, and we don't want our kids doing that. And I think it might be human nature to judge. And it's something that I am just struggling with. But writing this book has helped me in my personal life tenfold. I think, wow, give me kids. Give me grandkids. Why didn't I know any of this when I was struggling through? You know, I mentioned earlier, and we've talked about this, the, the whole world is, um, it seems to be based on going faster trying to consume more information to make better decisions. And I think the real key is just the opposite, is to go slower, to deny uh, some of these elements that are we're being pushed into. But one way to, to do that, and a, certainly a huge resource for parents and grandparents too, would be um, mindfulness. Uh, is that something you had to learn, or did you practice meditation? I am working on meditation, and it's hard for me. My mind is always going, and it's really hard for me to slow down. My whole life, I've been happy when I've been productive and working hard. And so I, it is something that I'm really working on. My 30-year-old daughter and her husband were meditating every morning when they were getting up. And I just think they're so far ahead of me. And as you said, the emotional intelligence idea, it's something that is becoming more talked about, more thought about. I never heard, I never, but I felt the same as you. Why didn't I know about this? The whole idea of having a growth mindset to me is just the most beautiful thing because life is a series of challenges, one after the next. And the question is, how are we going to deal with those challenges? And what happens when they happen? Do we choke up and think, oh, no, oh, no, I can't deal with this? Or do we think, yeah, give me another one. I'm going to, I can, I can do this. I've done this before. I can do more. So having that ability to, to, see things, to slow down, to see the bigger picture, and really take things in. We're just about so out important. of time, so I'd, I'd like to ask you two uh, distinct questions. So where is the book available? How can people learn more? Okay, so and uh, what would be the one or two things okay. that would be the most important takeaways for today? So the book is available on Amazon, and it is also available through Barnes & Noble, through the bookstore. The Slow County Libraries have 14 copies, one for each branch, and there will be more there. And we're hoping to actually have a class for parents, uh, maybe even parents-to-be revolving around the book. Um, and then I do have a book signing on January 13th at Coalesce Bookstore. Locally, I'd like to have it in some of the stores. Coalesce. 
Fabulous in Morro Bay. Mm-hmm. And on, on January 13th from 1 to 3. And it's the bird festival on that day as well. And um, as far as the things I'd, I'd like to leave with new parents, just please trust yourselves. You can use the internet to get some information, but you, you really need to understand that you know your baby better than anyone else does. You you get information and then you make decisions on your own and you don't feel guilty for not doing everything else you're supposed to be doing. But read, read, read to your baby. Read your baby in utero. Read your baby when the baby's born. And if you want a gentle guide, Pearl's Parenting Practices can provide that to you. I am Brian Reynolds for KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. Today we were joined by Lisa Guy, mother, author, and creator of a brand new book, Pearl's Parenting Practices, related through stories, illustrations, affirmations, poems, and quotes, illustrated by Cameron Shields. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you, Brian. You're listening to Issues and Ideas on KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. I'm Carol Tangeman. Up next, Playing with Food. This is KCBX Central Coast Public Radio. I'm Father Ian Dellinger, and I'm playing with food. One would be forgiven for not thinking that Peruvian cuisine was popular on the Central Coast, but San Luis Obispo has two Peruvian restaurants, and the next closest Peruvian restaurant appears to be all the way in Thousand Oaks. The Playing With Food team visited a small one-woman operation to explore Peruvian ingredients and flavors. The entire interview was done in Spanish, so a native speaker provided an English translation. My name is Jacqueline Catalina Vargas. Mi trabajo hoy en día es ser chef de Coya y dueña de Coya. Trabajamos elaborando la comida peruana. I am the owner and chef of Coya. We prepare ancestral and gourmet Peruvian food. We serve the community on San Luis Obispo, but we also work with wineries around town and pretty soon we will be working with Calpoli. The most authentic and popular Peruvian dishes are lomo saltado, the Peruvian ceviche, the causa limeña, Peruvian tamales, and there is a fusion between Japanese and Peruvian cuisine. There is a lot of history and culture, and because of that, the Peruvian food is always changing because of this cultural influence. Peru is multicultural, and you mentioned Japanese in there, and you did have a president who was from Japan. How long have the Japanese been in Peru? There have been more than 100 years since Japanese started coming into Peru. These Japanese immigrants arrived the coast of Peru, but they also start moving into the mountains. And since then, we have this diversity in the Peruvian y diversidad de comida peruana. Ceviche es una fusión entre japonesa y peruana. The Peruvian ceviche is a fusion between Japanese cuisine and Peruvian cuisine. Fishermen in Peru already have access to a great variety of fish and they have been preparing fish in many ways. But when the Japanese arrived, they started sharing their own ways to cook fish. There are several varieties of Peruvian ceviche, and some of them are influenced by the way the Japanese cook the sushi and the sashimi. Because the Peruvian food, we have a form of sashimi that we call tiradito, and the recipes vary. The Peruvian ceviche is a fusion between Japanese and Peruvian foods. It's the fusion between raw fish and Peruvian ajis and Peruvian lime. What is lomo saltado? 
Lomo saltado is a dish that is made with native potatoes, with hormigas, and with red onion, and with ají amarillo, which is a very traditional ají in Peru that we use in a lot of meals. But there is sort of a fusion between the Japanese cuisine and Peruvian cuisine with this dish because the way the Japanese use the wok to cook the meat. So you use a wok for lomo saltado? Exactly. This is for lomo saltado. This is su. So the wok is a tool the Japanese use for their cuisine and is something that they teach to the Peruvian natives. So over high temperature, we cook the vegetables with the meat and the ají, and that is what we call lomo saltado. You're from Peru. When did you come to the United States and California, and why did you choose San Luis Obispo? Es una historia un poco larga. Pero va mucho porque yo estudié ingeniería de procesos de alimentos en mi país. It's a long story, but I'm a food science engineer, and my father is an entrepreneur in the mining industry. My dad always told me that I needed to go out in the world and share our Peruvian cuisine or the cereals of the Andes and show Peruvian with a new light. And my dad instilled in me to come to United States to start making these dreams come true. And one of my dreams was to create a protein bar that will include maca, quinoa, and Peruvian passion fruit. And I wanted to export it. But the political situation in my country doesn't make it easy for small entrepreneurs to do something like this. So my dad pushed me to come to United States because he always said that United States was the place for entrepreneurs. I arrived first to one of my uncle's house in Bakersfield. I didn't like the weather and the place, and I am a very independent, and I realized that it was not my place. Pues estuve aquí, llegué a llegué primero a Bakersfield a un tío. No me gustó la forma, el clima, me sentí un poco. Soy muy independiente y me sentí como muy no estaba en el lugar, no 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 sabía. Y un día la esposa de mi tío me dice, vamos a la a la costa porque yo soy de Lima, soy de la costa más. But one day, my uncle's wife told me, let's go to the coast. And because I am from the coast, I'm from Lima, so we went, and I arrived here, and I fell in love with the mountains and the coast of California. And I saw that the coast and the mountains were together, so it was like a fusion of Peruvian coast and the Peruvian mountains just in one place. So there were vegetables and fish, selfish, and for my eyes, that was wow. And there are also a lot of wineries. This is a good soil and this exotic weather. And they say, I will, so I'm going to stay here. But also I'm interested in keep studying and developing my career. And I would like to study a master in Cal Poly when my English is better. And why not start a business here in this country that gives you all the opportunities and with the people of this community that for me are like angels because they open the doors for me. I feel very Peruvian because I love the coast, the forest and the mountains of my country. So it's like I put in my backpack all the people and experiences that I have in my country and I bring them here so I can share my Peruvian food, especially the cereals of the Andes, like the quinoa, mashua, the oca, and more than 14,000 varieties of potatoes. I would love to import these products so I can process them here and offer new ways to eat them, not just in Peruvian food.
So I would like to do this because I will give work to the people in my country and I will be able to offer those products here. Generar trabajo a mi país y poder presentarles a ustedes. Me encantaría. Costa Lima es desierto. Costa Lima is desert. A limón and a lot of our vegetables grows in the north part of the mountain range of Lima, 10 or 11 hours from Lima. We had different vegetables because of the diversity in the climates in Peru. But living here, I like because there are a lot of vegetables. There is a farmer market and there is also fish. So for me, it's like a mini Peru. I have everything handy. So I have fish, I have crab, I have lobster, I have everything. It's like Peru. We just need the forest that gives you the fruit. But for what I wanted to do, this is phenomenal. The weather here is splendid. That's why I'm staying here. I want to keep working importing Peruvian products, especially the ones I cannot find here, like potatoes, la cañigua. I'm already importing the ajis, which gives the exact flavor of the Peruvian cuisine. I'm also importing quinoa and maca. So I would like to create a direct canal so I can bring products from Peru without the producers having to go to big companies. So I'm working on that. So I'm in love with this country, with the people. I thank God because I'm here with all these people that help me. Koya is here and it has been very well received. And now I just need to keep focusing and keep learning. You're listening to Issues and Ideas on KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. I'm Father Ian at Coya Peruvian Restaurant, tucked away at the back of a convenience store in San Luis Obispo. After telling me her story of how she came to California and her dream of importing native Peruvian produce like quinoa, ají, or peppers, and passion fruit, Jacqueline Catalina Vargas described what is important to her cooking and then started filling the convenience store with the most amazing aromas. How long have you been here? I've lived here for three years and seven months, and Koya is two years and five months. Is it possible to see some of the unique ingredients that you use? My three pillars are the yellow ají, which is very hard to find around here because this particular ají has three different Peruvian ajis, combinations between the spiciness, the aroma, and the flavor. That's why I love it. El rocoto is like the sun. El ají amarillo is like the mother. And because both give that flavor to the Peruvian cuisine. And the father is the ají panca. This is what it gives the color, the texture. It is the foundation. Every meal that is hot is going to have the father and the mother. El cimiento, digamos. Entonces, siempre un estofado, un guiso, con comida caliente o cocina caliente, va a ir la mamá. You just had an order come in. What's the order for? Ah, my order right now is lomo saltado de mushrooms. Okay. Para las personas vegetarianas. Entonces lo hemos hemos diseñado este menú. Okay. Este menú me tomó como. 
This is Lomos Saltado with mushrooms, and it's for vegetarians. It took me one year to develop this menu because I have to wait and see what the people like. I started offering different Peruvian dishes to find out what the tourists and the people in the community like best. I learned that the lunch for the American people is different than the lunch for Peruvian people. A lot of people prefer a sandwich for lunch, but we have a main dish. So I had to study the market to be able to present a better menu. There is also a lot of vegetarians and vegans. So I had to create Peruvian dishes for these preferences. So I use mushrooms and tofu. So I wanted to present something that offer authentic Peruvian flavors in dishes that they don't need to have meat. Okay. Can I watch you make it? Please. Great. So here I have the wok, which is part of my heritage from Japanese culture. I call it a baptized wok because it already has all the flavors and the seasonings. I need to let it warm up for a reasonable time so it starts releasing the flavors that are already in it. Also, when we wash it, we don't use soap, we just use water, so we keep those flavors in it. I like to respect the flavors that are already in it. The garlic, the ginger, the vegetables, the Peruvian vinegar. The wok is smoking. Because I knew that you were coming, I didn't pre-cook everything. The potato has to be raw, not pre-cooked. Everything we use here is fresh. I'm preparing everything to order. This is the Peruvian cuisine. I don't like to keep the food already made and just heat up. It takes its time, but everything has to be fresh. The potatoes have a touch of vinegar. Doing this, it gives the potatoes a crispy texture. Que esté ahí como macerando con el vinagre para que le dé esa fritura crocante y no necesita un precocido. Entonces no es una papa industrial. So the potatoes went in the fryer. Mushrooms están aquí y los pico también al momento. Pueden estar un poco fríos porque los conservo con un poquito de pimienta. And I have the mushrooms that I leave fermenting with some pepper. The only thing that I have fermenting is the garlic. Then I mix with black pepper or sometimes white pepper for the lomos. Con un poquito de pimienta negra o a veces pimienta blanca para los lomos. Entonces. This is a mixture of dehydrated and ground spices that I add without adding any oil. And it helps the mushroom to keep its size.
Le echamos el ajo fermentado con pimienta negra. Now we add the garlic with the black pepper, cilantro. Lots of cilantro. I love the Californian cilantro. It's phenomenal. This is what I call the salteado. The hot wok with the vegetables, it gives that fusion of aroma, flavor, and color that characterize the Peruvian cuisine. Now we're going to add tomato, and I'm cutting it right now before I add it to the wok to keep all the juices of the tomato. Mmm, mmm, very hot, really good flavor. The vinegar, the oil, the salt, the cilantro, the onion, everything together create this flavor. It tastes like Peru. You're listening to Issues and Ideas on KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. I'm Father Ian and I'm at Coya Peruvian Restaurant in San Luis Obispo. Koya means queen in the Peruvian native language of Quechua. Peruvian entrepreneur and chef Jacqueline has just whipped up an order of Lomo Saltado, one of Peru's iconic dishes. She is about to finish it and get the order out. Las papas tienen que estar bañadas con el lomo saltado. Un baño simple, tranquilo, ligero. The potatoes need to be dressed with the lomo saltado. So we're going to put it in the plate and we add the cilantro at the end to give that extra touch of fragrance to a dish that is self hot. And this is the mushrooms lomo saltado. This is a fast and authentic Peruvian dish. And this is Peruvian cuisine. It's something that you can prepare fast, that is fresh, because you prepare everything in the moment. We don't tend to store food. Everything we prepare, the families in Peru prepare everything fresh. We have more than 4,000 varieties of potatoes. So when you go to a Peruvian market, you are not going to find just two or three varieties. So you're going to find like 20 or 30. Imagine to know all the 4,000 types. So when you go to a different cities, you see another potatoes with other colors, with other sizes, with other flavors. With each potato, you have a different flavor and color. Now it was my turn to try Peruvian food. I did spend nine and a half weeks in Peru on placement with the Anglican Church there, but that was 20 years ago. So I went with my friend Hans to update my palate. So Hans, have you had Peruvian food before? I have. There was somebody who was doing Peruvian food here previously and I had it from that person. I've had Peruvian food because I've been to Peru, but that was a long time ago, 20 years ago as a matter of fact. So what are you gonna have? Ooh, well, I always love ceviche. And it's a nice warm day out, so ceviche is always good on a warm day, light, refreshing. What do you have on special? Today is takutaku with lomo saltado. Okay. It's a special dish, takutaku fusion, Peruvian beans and rice and yellow pepper and wool, takutaku and lomo saltado. I will try that. Of the ceviches, which one do you recommend? Um, I think I'll do this senor. So you got your ceviche. What do you think of your ceviche? looks pretty. I like the corn nuts with it. This is taco taco with lomo saltano. I'm going to try this rice first. 
It's really pretty. Mmm. It's really nice with the fresh, quick pickle onion. Mmm. Really good. Really good. How's the ceviche? Really good. The lime, nice acidity to it, mixed with the onions. It's really like done its job to like the acid process that they do with ceviche. So it's really tasty. I'm really impressed. And it's actually a giant portion. Have you had lots of ceviche? Oh yeah, all the time. Whenever I travel and they have ceviche on the menu, I always go for ceviche. Can I try a bit? Yeah, go for it. It is really nice, very fresh. Mm. And not too limey. It doesn't make you pucker. It doesn't make your lips go dry. Do you want some almost Mmm, that's really good. I don't know what's in the sauce, but the sauce is really nice. Peruvian tamales is a special cook only called Peruvian corn. Wine, more time cook with garlic, and servers con salsa criolla, y special creme rocoto, cook my cheese. You made the cheese? Yes. Cook only con uh, core Peruvian corn wines, cook more time, maybe 12 hours, only con garlic, later um, blender or one special máquina, una máquina especial. The special machine. Then we add the chicken or the pork seasoned with Peruvian spices. Play there is combination con egg, con cilantro, con more spices and Peruvian. Servers con salsa criolla. Servers. It's a special crema rocoto. Wow. It's hot. It is very hot. The corn is really nice. If you listen to my tamale episode, you'll hear that the reason I don't eat tamales is because they're always too much corn. But this corn is really, really nice. Mm. It's like butter, it just kind of melts in your mouth. It doesn't have any texture or grit to it. Ceviches cook only con five ingredients. Number one is love, love. Number two is rocoto, fusion con ají limón. Only limón, California, it's very good for me. If for any order, open, open, open. Uh, more cilantro and salt, it's ready. Uh, red onions. Fermentation con more than cold water. This is exactly fresh, cool, cold, and spices. The only similarity that the tamale had with Mexican tamales was meat inside masa. Otherwise, it was a totally unique Peruvian experience. Out of the few ingredients that go into Jacqueline's ceviche, number one is love. It doesn't get any better than that. Thank you to Mama Latina, Sylvia Martinez, for the voiceover. This is KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. I'm Father Ian, and I'm playing with food. This is KCBX Public Radio, and you're listening to Issues and Ideas. Up next, Peace, Love, and Pets. This is Peace, Love, and Pets. I'm Robin with Woods Humane Society. Some of you may guess who we are talking with today. If I were to say the slogan, if your pet could talk, they would say... Limos. My guest today is general manager at Limos Feed and Pet Supply. For the last 24 years, Paul Benedicts. Paul started working for Limos in 1992, loading hay and building pallets of food and feed for the retail stores while he was attending Cal Poly. He worked his way from warehouse to the store manager before he left Limos in 97 while he finished at Cal Poly. In April of 1999, Paul came back to Limos as a sales manager 
He is now the GM for the company. We will talk holiday gift guide and more. But first, let's learn a little bit about the Lemos legend, Mike Lemos. In 1972, Mike Lemos started delivering hay and other ranch products to his neighbors. Agreements were made by a handshake, and the business revolved around Mike's old flatbed truck. Mike continues to manage the business with his team, including our guest today, Paul. Paul, welcome to Peace, Love, and Pets. Good afternoon, Robin. Thanks for having me. We've worked with you guys at Woods for so many years, so I just thought December is a great time to have Lemos on, learn a little bit more about how you guys got started, some of the awesome things you do in the community, and of course, talk a little bit about our holiday gift guide for our pets. So I'm going to ask if you can just start by telling us, I always ask, who are your current pets in your life? So my current pets are Emmy. She's our 11-year-old yellow lab. Um, We are definitely a dog family. Don't have anything against cats for sure, but we're 100% a dog family. Having Emmy around is awesome. Um, And we started probably like 15 years ago with a little backyard flock, and it's grown to where we've got like 16 chickens, and it'll fluctuate from as many as 20 and down to 10 and add to them. So they're definitely more interesting than I thought they would be just okay. having a handful of chickens in the backyard. So I hear they have um, so much personality. They, they do. Are very they're not very smart, but okay. they're funny. <laughs> so it uh, they definitely provide some entertainment in addition to eggs. They're funny. My wife spends a lot of time outside with them in the backyard. They're pretty curious. So. And how does the lab do with the chickens? She does really well now. So it was a rough start yeah. um, that cost a chicken or two uh, in the mm-hmm. beginning. But um, no, all things are good now. So everybody's, everybody's happy with each other. So. I'm always so impressed with dogs that can live harmoniously, you know, with their chickens because their prey drive is to chase. To, yes. I mean, it's in a lot of their diets. Yes. So it's kind of uh, interesting yes. to me when yes, dogs sure. and chickens can live peaceful lives yeah. together. No, they, they get along just fine. So oh, I love that. There are so many pet owners in this area, and I really want people to know all kinds of different options. And I obviously want to support locals, so that's why you guys are here today. So why don't we share a little bit more about some of those services that people may not know that you guys offer with Lemos? Sure. So when we did the remodel uh, in Morro Bay probably 10 years ago, um, that was the first location we put a self-serve dog wash station in. So that's been our biggest addition to the company in the last decade. And now 11 of our stores have self-serve dog washes. And so those have grown to be very popular because they're Super simple. Uh, currently at 17 bucks, you get set up with a tub that's sanitized. There's a lot of concern about this new mm. atypical uh, canine infectious respiratory disease complex. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. all of our tubs are sanitized between every single animal unless they're a same household animal. So sometimes that can be frustrating for customers because i got to wait while disinfecting is happening. But uh, the self-serve dog washes are in every location with the exception of San Luis Obispo and Goleta. Come in, you pay, you make a big mess, and we give you a shampoo and towel and blow dryer, take all the time you want, and then we get to clean up the disaster that the dog leaves behind. So, so you guys take care of all the products. They everything. don't need to yes. bring their and own And people towel. are welcome. They can bring their own towels if they're going to use a bunch, and they, they don't want to pay for any extra mm-hmm. towels, or if they have a special shampoo they want to use, they're welcome to bring it in, so we don't have any limitations on that. Um, we, I mean, people don't, they're not allowed to groom in the tub, so mm-hmm. you can't sit and clip hair and nails and things like that, but um, they're really a nice service. So um, that's been the biggest service piece that we've added to the company uh, that has made a big difference. And pet owners love it rather than doing it in your tub and breaking your back and making yeah. a mess that you get to clean. Yeah, make it a big mess sure. and wrestling with your animal in your bathroom. Sure. But also with so many pet 
owners here having such an outdoor lifestyle, whether it's hiking, going into the beach and playing and getting all dirty and muddy and sandy, uh, not even have to take that home. You just stop by Limos and give them make a, a few mess treats, yes, make a, leave the mess for Limos absolutely. So that's and go been home big. with a clean dog. Um, the other services we've added, so we started probably 12 years ago with Howland Good Doggy Dental, and they do a no anesthesia teeth cleaning, mm-hmm. um, and that's vet supervised, which is a nice service. It's a, a lower cost alternative. And then at least once a month, sometimes twice a month, we also have uh, VIP pet care comes into each of our locations to do a community vet clinic. Um, And those, they offer a ton of different things. They'll do fecal sample testing. They do microchipping. They have rabies shots, just just the standard um, everyday series of vaccinations that the animals use. They have prescription flea control medications. So they do a really good job. They take care of heartworm. um, They take care of testing for and administering heartworm meds. So they're nice. They're they're a national company, so Mm -hmm. they have a really good database, really easy to get records. Uh, we had a customer just the other day call and ask how you do it. I had never actually done it, and it's as simple as maybe three or four clicks and putting in an email address, and you get it almost instantly. So it's a really easy way for customers that are out and about. Sometimes it's taken a while to get in for something maybe simple like sure. updating a vaccine. Sure. The VIP clinics, those are at least once a month at every location. Some of the stores have two a month, and our website's got all the schedules listed. Uh, we do post pretty regularly on Instagram and Facebook, so those are other places to find Lemos. Um, and we do keep those schedules very current just so everybody can kind of plan on what they need to do. So self-service dog washes at many locations, which is very convenient and affordable. And then we have the clinics that make their way around different Lemo stores, which is vaccines and some some basic clinic services. And then those those dental services, you said, how often do those Those are happen? once a month as once well. A month. So, and I should mention Howland Good, they're a local company. So um, Charmaine's based out of Paso Robles and the veterinarians are local. And there's always a vet on staff while the clinics are happening too. So some people are like, ah, is this, is this what yeah. is this? So yeah, yeah. It's, it's all above board. So Yeah, I, options, right? Yes, for people, sure. Lots it's great. of options for people. Some pets would be probably great fit for that and some pets some not so won't. Much. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Another thing that Lemos is really great at and that's what I get to work with you guys on is those community events. I think every parade I go to, I see Lemos there. You guys are always at our big wiggle waggle fall festival. You support adoptions, you support new pet parents and just kind of helping them be successful and getting a few things going for their new pet. So tell us why Lemos has chose to be such a big part of the community going out to those events, having your prize will, your goodies, um, just kind of be the outreach that you do at Lemos. A long time ago, like from the beginning of the business, Mike decided we're not going to sell dogs and cats. That's not part of what we want to do. We want to have clean stores um, and we want to make sure that as best we can, that we're supporting people who want to find animals. And that's where places like Woods Humane Society come in. And it's just a great natural partnership for the company because people do want to acquire a new dog. We saw that boom with COVID. Um, But people want to pick up a new dog or they want to get a new cat or add to their family or one passes and they want to replace that animal. And fostering agencies and adoption facilities like Woods and um, the other organizations in San Luis and Santa Barbara County are just great ways to, to already find a home for an animal that needs one rather than create a new animal. Um, So that's been, mostly that's the way we want to let the community know that we're around, but also that that's what we support is is fostering agencies and adoption facilities. Uh, the parades and things like that, those are just fun. Just fun. Uh, they're <laughs> fun. I had a big shout out to our warehouse crew. They do all of the work on those parades. I think this the, the parades are done for this year, mm-hmm. and we were in 10 Christmas parades, which is wow. crazy over the course of literally just four days. So I um, did one, and I was very stressed, so I can't imagine 10. <laughs> I was stressed up until the moment it begins, and then it's like the best 30 minutes 
minutes of my life is just like the waving and the smiling yes, and the going. cheering. Yes, but that like leading up and is it going to rain on us again? And are the, all the decorations going to fall off? And are the lights going to work? And are the dogs going to be okay at a parade? And some of those parades were oh. rain or shine. Paso last year was a downpour and they still went on with it. Paso hat, yeah. hats off to Paso. The man. downtown they, slow last year, we, yes. we got rained on with our poor doggies for about, you know, three hours. And I was like, never again. I'm not doing another parade again. And then the parade started and I was like, oh my gosh, I could do this every day. People just love seeing, you know, Lemos Woods. They love seeing the pet people in the parades. Well, that's good. I really appreciate all your community support. I think Mike Lemos was a smart businessman. He picked a really awesome industry for this area where people are just so into the animals. And I know we, we talk a lot about cats and dogs, but you guys help a lot of different pet people, right? We do. Yeah. And that's, uh, people forget about that part of the business, honestly. And we don't sell hay anymore. I like not big bales of hay, Um, but the feed part of the business is still very strong. So people like like myself with a backyard flock, um, that's probably the next biggest segment of our business outside of dog and cat. Uh, But we definitely support the small animals and domestic birds and people that want to feed wild birds in their backyard. Uh, And then on the feed side, like you're mentioning, it's, it's for sure horses, cattle, goats, sheep, uh, we sell llama food and emu food. Yeah, so we, we try to support as much of that as we possibly can. Um, the feed that we all buy uh, that we sell comes from King City. Um, so Mike Lemos and the Hearn family, I think it's on the fifth generation of doing business now. So um, before Lemos even existed, Mike was already working with the Hearn family when he was running his own operation um, as a very young man. We take our partnerships with our vendors really seriously. So that's sort of always part of the mix as to who we're going to do business with. So awesome. um, we like smaller and local for sure. If you're just joining us, this is KCBX Public Radio. You're listening to Issues and Ideas. I'm Robin from Woods Humane Society, and my guest today is Paul Benedicts, General Manager of Lemos Feed and Pet Supply for the last 24 years. Uh, Paul, what is your favorite part about working at Lemos? My favorite part? So I'm gonna, I'll answer that two ways. So just from like a job piece of it, um, on a personal level, I like my job because it's very different every day. I have no idea what, I may have a plan for what's going to happen, um, but I don't run a retail store, so I may end up in Carpinteria, I may end up in Paso Robles, or I may end up running around to doing a bunch of different things. So I like the variety in my own specific job description. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as an industry goes, um, I just, animals are great to be around, and animal people are awesome. So it's it's always fun, and that's always one of the fun, bright spots of the job is people bringing their animals in, or you see a young family that just got their first dog or their first cat um, or a new addition to the family and you just like see the connection between the family and this animal and we get to play a really small part in helping find solutions to problems Um, and that's a that's a real rewarding part of the job i think that's what makes it fun is is it's a it's a great industry that keeps growing Um, there's tons of new stuff always coming out and people are always trying to be innovative with new products you know that come out to the marketplace but pet people in general at least on the central coast love their animals and if we can connect and help in some way shape or form it's really a rewarding part of the job for sure It is gift-giving season here, and I know so many animal-loving folks in the community are going to be buying their pets some gifts for the holiday. A recent survey shared that more than 80% of pet owners said that they were very likely to purchase a holiday gift for their pet. I would love to hear from you. uh, What are some current trends? What are some holiday gift guides, tips? I know you guys go to this awesome expo. I would say from a top selling standpoint, collagen anything, right? 
right now is huge. So it's a, basically a rawhide supplement. People are, mm-hmm. seem to be steering clear of rawhide more, mm-hmm. and the collagen is higher in digestibility. So um, supplements are growing. So I think as more and more people are taking different supplements for themselves, they're also seeing the need for that for their animals in ways that can help different things. Those aren't very exciting, CBD, things like that. Um, the frozen pet stuff is going is definitely one of the things that is way more popular now, too. So mm-hmm. like the frozen yogurts that we have or the raw bones, um, those are big ones. The little churu for cats, I don't know if you've seen those, they're called churu. It's like mm-hmm. a little tear open package and it's got like think of really fine pureed baby food oh. and you squeeze it out and the cat stands there I've and seen it, some of those long tubes but okay so the true root cat treats those are a huge thing as far as new trends go and i think some of this was maybe born from some of the the covid acquisitions as far as people getting animals a lot of the enrichment toys so anything that's got some kind of a puzzle to it or a difficult uh, way for them to get the reward or, or a difficult part, an angle they've got to get at to get to the little chewy part that's on those. Um, those are really popular. The licky mats, those are mm. a huge thing this year. Yeah. So last probably 18 months, licky mats are at trade shows. You talk about going to a trade show. Uh, maybe somebody had one hanging on a, a side little peg mm. thing. And at this last year, they had like a 30 by 30 booth of nothing but just licky mats in every size, shape, color. So the licky sticks are definitely something, too. Some of the human stuff, too, that they're doing, like, little bags that look like Doritos, but they're dog Doritos or a can of Pepsi that's Pepsi. So some of the little play on words type things. So a lot of the toy companies are definitely looking for ways to be more interactive. So the dog has something else or something inside something um, or mixing textiles. So it's got rubber intermixed with, you know, some kind of a plush toy as well. So those are the things that we're definitely seeing more and more of um, in the stores. As far as unique things, boy, the trade shows have, I mean, it's a million square feet of people with crazy wild ideas. And some of them aren't necessarily going to go. It seems cool at a show. Um, But stuff like yak cheese, people are always looking for alternatives that aren't going to be allergenic. Throwback like to Gumby and Mr. Bill type toys. There's a 1990s reboot of a flea trap. You plug it into the wall. It's got a light and the fleas jump at it. So places like Los Osos where there's sand on top of sand, um, those are making a comeback. People are always looking for ways to strengthen that bond between the person and the animal. Emmy's favorite is uh, the Fluff and Tough brand, which is a really cool company. They make a really high durable toy, but everybody likes a cute toy. Hopefully people will get some new ideas and get some new things for their pets. As we wrap up here, I want to thank my guest, Paul Benedicts, General Manager at Lemos Feed and Pet Supply. Woods is proud to share we found 253 lucky cats and dogs homes in November, including 20 of our senior pets and two dogs from our first ever transport from our friends at Maui Humane Society. We still have one handsome Maui dog waiting for his Central Coast life to begin, but I'm sure he'll get adopted very quickly. Woods is offering $25 adoption fees till December 24th in hopes of getting lots of homeless pets out of the shelter and into a loving home and just in time for the holidays. To view all of our available animals, our events calendar, to make your year-end tax-deductible donation, and all things Woods, check out our website, woodshumanesociety.org, and and follow us on social media for the cutest content around. Thank you for listening to Peace, Love, and Pets on KCBX. I'm Robin with Woods, wishing you all a healthy and happy holiday. Don't forget, your new best friend is waiting for you at the shelter. You've been listening to Issues and Ideas on KCBX Central Coast Public Radio. Gary Eister composed our theme music. A special thanks to all our guests and contributors this week. I'm Carol Tangeman. Join us each Monday 
from 1 to 2 in the afternoon for more local stories. You can head to our website to learn more about what you heard today or to listen to past segments, kcbx.org. Thank you.